everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. He is NYJ Matt. Mike, first podcast postseason. Um, how are we feeling? Big news in the coaching search underway. Do you want to touch on some of the news that we know? The main one is Matt Campbell is opting to go back to Iowa State, and Doug Peterson is now available. Well, the funny thing is, with Matt Campbell's statement, he pretty much said that the program is built on loyalty and commitment. So what happens if he ever goes to the NFL? He's just an asshole. Right. And he ruins his program. But yeah, then Doug Peterson, the 2017 Super Bowl winning coach from the Philadelphia Eagles, who has many ties to Mr. Joe Douglas. Yeah, we talked about my take. I think you'll find, I would say 80% of Jet fans on the bandwagon of we do not want Doug Peterson. I think 20% are very interested in the idea. My take is in if you told me in 2019 that the season went through, horrible 2-14 and 14 year, and the coaching candidates available right now. This is after 2018. Right, after 2018. If the coaching, coaches available were Matt Rule, Adam Gase, Mike McCarthy, I, I would really jump at this option of Doug Peterson. I think he would be the best one possible if he was available after the 2018 season going into 2019. But now I feel like there's five to six head coaches that I would want over him. And we have a power struggle that just happened with Adam Gase. There is no culture. There is no identity. As much as the players did fight for him towards the end of the year, he only coached one side of the ball. And to bring in a guy who just left an organization, which by all accounts is now a dumpster fire. They have talented players, but what is happening there with their cap space, their quarterback position, and their management, especially throwing the final game of the year, it's something that I'm not willing to jump in and have him come be the coach. You can't take a chance. Um, I tend to agree with the first part of your statement that you know a lot of Jet fans are outraged if, if, if Peterson were to be the head coach of the Jets. But again, the guy won the Super Bowl in 2017. He, you know, Carson Wentz performed well under Peterson as a rookie and early on in his career. The Eagles threw for, you know, Wentz threw for 3,700 yards in 2017, uh, 2016, excuse me, Wentz's rookie year. And their leading receivers were Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Matthews. Um, then 2017, you get Alshon Jeffrey, you go to the Super Bowl. And that team was great. Carson Wentz was going to win the MVP if he stayed healthy. Uh, and then, of course, Peterson showed he could do it with Nick Foles. And then the next year, 2018, they threw for 4,500 yards as a team. Foles started five games. They won a playoff game. They went back to the playoffs in 2019 again. They won the division, and Wentz looked really good. Um, he threw 27 touchdowns and seven picks. So, yeah, I mean, some of the circumstances for the Eagles, they're, like you said, their cap situation's in flux. As a lot of the case has to do with Wentz falling apart and how much of that is on Doug Peterson is hard to tell because he was good early in you know Peterson's tenure so like you said I think there's a lot of good candidates now there's four five six guys that people be comfortable with these coordinators that you know are like Eric Bieniemy and Matt Eberflus and uh, I mean Arthur Smith there's a ton of guys Brian Dable who just the Jets and Chargers are interested in it looks like Mm -hmm. Robert Sala there's a million guys that are good good candidates so yeah if, if you're, right, if your take is that you're 
if you're annoyed about the, uh, you know, you want a different candidate, that's fine. But to really say Doug Peterson is an awful candidate, I think is not a correct take. I agree with that. And yeah. like always says, things change quickly in the NFL. If you were to tell anyone like going into 2018 that in three seasons, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz would not be a thing anymore, you'd be shocked. The Eagles, after winning that Super Bowl, everything was trending up for them. They had young players at a good core. It wasn't just a quarterback. And Doug Peterson looked like he was the real deal. And he, he has brought the Eagles to playoffs. Mike mentioned all the injuries they deal with. It just felt like the ownership and, and Doug didn't really have that chemistry continuing and they were ready to move on, which another, it throws a monkey wrench and everything. The Eagles are now looking for a head coach. So you don't know if uh, a coach the Jets were looking at now wants to go interview with the Eagles and they think that might be a potential landing spot. So, so it does throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in, in what's going on. I mean, the one thing is like you mentioned, oh, if Peterson was available at the end of the twenty, you know, at the end of the twenty eighteen season, when they just needed a coach, but like you said, it's unfathomable at that point. They just had won the Super Bowl two years ago, and they were on a streak of three straight playoff appearances. So, again, yep, things change quickly. Uh, if they just end up with Peterson, I guess, he does like weird stuff. We were looking at the video of him talking about ice cream for three minutes. He, it just he's like a weird, seems like a weird guy. He seems like a weird guy. Um, even like a guy like Zach Ertz. Um, just tweeted when, something nice. Yeah. He tweeted something nice to him. I think they always had a good relationship. I think a lot of what happened in Week 17 was more on the GM, and and Douglas didn't, and not Douglas Peterson did not like being told to do. I do think it is overstating the fact that I think Connor Rogers made a really good point. Just because Joe Douglas knows Doug Peterson well, and they have a good relationship, doesn't mean he pauses all he was doing and looking for a head coach. Because by all accounts, you don't assume Doug Peterson is going to get fired. So is Joe Douglas going to completely change his entire strategy of landing his guy because of this? Maybe. I don't know if it makes as big as an impact as we're leading on for it to be. Yeah, I mean, but again, Joe Douglas doesn't know which candidate would even, uh, you know, come to the Jets anyway. So if if Joe Douglas is like, hey, I, I need Brian Dable, maybe he just goes to the Chargers and then you have to pivot anyway, so. Yeah. And uh, Jets X Factor put out a great little graphic of what every coach, just an update on all the coaches in the mm-hmm. in the situation. And the Jets just keep interviewing guys that they're not announcing, which is awesome. Pretty cool, just under the radar, get these guys in the building. They did it with Arthur Smith. I don't think they said anything. They did it with uh, with uh, Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. who was great. That's another guy I wanted to talk about because the Rams. I mean, they beat the shit out of the Seahawks. The defense was insane. And, of course, it helps when you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but, oof. They're, hey, it's the type of coach that you probably might look back two years from now and say, how the hell did we not get him when we had a chance to do it? I do get the risk of not landing him. You're looking for that CEO type, that guy that's going to control the locker room. Young age, you don't know if, if he can do that, but I, I – when you watch that Rams game, that's the first thing you're thinking of. How do they make Russell Wilson feel that uncomfortable? Uh, the Seahawks were struggling the month prior on offense to that game. So it's just the type of thing that you look back and say, maybe not right now, but who knows? Maybe one day he becomes that head coach that the Jets should have picked up. Um, but yeah, overall, there's got to be, you know, a lot of people are negative on Jets Twitter. Today is a positive day to be a Jets fan. You do not have Adam Gates anymore. You're going to get a brand new head coach to come in here and build his team. You have 
five picks in the top 100. You have top three in cap space, uh, and and you have a young draft class that you like. So I'm really excited for the days ahead. We started this podcast to talk about the positivity on Jets Twitter. Even when things were good, people were negative, same old Jets. And Mike and I fell into the trap of starting the podcast, being really excited about this team, and then everything that could have happened wrong happened. And we had to get pissed. And, and we want to bring, the, bring back the good vibes on, on Jets Twitter because there are better days ahead, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, like you said, tonight uh, Ohio State-Alabama will be important for the Jets' future. Even if you're not a Justin Fields guy, which we are, I mean, I'm not, but if he plays well and the Jets want to take him, then, you know, he's good. And if he plays well and the Jets want to trade the pick, then that's good for the Jets and it helps the team. Yeah, the Fields, we, we don't have to go into a huge rabbit hole, but the Fields discussion would be so much easier if he played strong games against Indiana and Northwestern because looking at what he did in 2019, 40 touchdowns, three picks, two of them were drops. He started the year in the first three games, 84% completion percentage. So you, you have that trajectory of, oh, he's not Trevor Lawrence, but he has better stats. He still plays you know Big Ten compared to the ACC. Big Ten is tougher, and you're thinking to yourself, this Fields guy is the real deal. He laid an egg against Northwestern Indiana. And people talk about how they don't have his number one receiver. They talk about his thumb being injured. It's just two games that he looks so lost. And he comes back, dominates the Clemson game, a historic performance. And if he beats Alabama and throws for five touchdowns, then as a Jet, you're able to say, okay, those two games might have been outliers. This is a dude you can build around. He's extremely accurate. He's tough. He's a hard runner. People, I know people look at him that he looks small. 6'2", 6'3", he's built like a tank, and he runs over people. So it's the type of player that if he didn't have those two games, we'd be more excited about. But tonight's a good night to be a Jet fan. We might post this tomorrow, but you want to see Fields do well, whether you're trade back, whether you're um, draft him. So it's going to be good. Now we're moving on to the next segment. Uh, Joe Liberta had a great idea. Go follow him on Twitter. He's awesome. He said we should build a coaching staff of ex-New York Jet players. Now, Mike did a little more research than me. I took a different route to it. So we can go through what staff we can build with previous players of the New York Jets. Mike, want to kick us off and give me your take on it? Yeah. I mean, the only only, uh, position on the coaching staff that I struggled with was head coach. Because there have been no, surprisingly, no head coaches, uh, former head coaches in the NFL that have played on the Jets. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Herm Edwards played on the Eagles and then coached the Jets, but mm-hmm. not vice versa. So I'll give the, my head coach will just be Aaron Glenn because he's an actual head coaching candidate for the Jets right now, Ooh. which is a surprise head coaching candidate. But I he's like interview with the Jets today, I think is his interview. Um, he's the DB's coach on the Saints. So he'll be the, the head coach. I don't know. Did you, did you have a, a, head, no, a head coach? No, I didn't have a head coach. Ridiculous now. guys. Yeah. So um, just. Do you want me to give my actual staff and then we'll do ridiculous guys? Yeah. Yeah. Bounce off <laughs> your staff to me. Okay. The defensive coordinator is the Wisconsin defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, and 2009, 2010, 11 Jet Safety. Oh, yeah. Fan oh, favorite. Yeah. And our punt returner. Our offensive coordinator is Kevin O'Connell. I who, had Kevin O'Connell then. Yes. Who yeah. was who is the Rams offensive coordinator and was the 
Jets backup quarterback in 2009 and 10. Or actually, their third string quarterback. He never took a snap. You have Glenn, Leonard, O'Connell. Yes. Wrong start. I like what I'm hearing. My special teams coach will be Brad Smith, who, I mean, this is cheap. He just was a good special teamer. But (laughs) But he did fun stuff and was a great returner. Let the record show if I can bring someone back to life. Joe McKnight. Oh, yeah. Yep. You could have went, you know, Liam Washington. Um, the Jets have a lot of good special teams players right. in the last few years. And it's weird because there was a stretch where the Jets couldn't score on defense or special teams. Like, you bring up this stat all the time. What is it? It's from 2013 Antonio Allen pick six to the Darren Lee pick six in week one of 2018. The Jets didn't score a defensive touchdown, which is unbelievable. And it pisses me off because I didn't have this NYJ Matt account back then. But in 2018, I tweeted it at Rich Samini. I was like, how is no one ever talking about it? I talked about it for years leading up to it. Yeah. And, of course, in the next ESPN article, Rich Samini said, hey, fun stat, and didn't credit my actual Twitter at the time. I was pissed. I think Darren Lee had the first one, right? Like in week one of 2018 yeah. mm-hmm. in the Lions game. Yeah. Yep. And then they had a – they went on a, a run – uh, that year, Tremaine Johnson had a pick six against the, the Titans. Titans, Jamal Adams. No, uh, was it Claiborne against the Colts? Started the game with a pick six. Yes, that Jamal Adams tipped up. Yeah. 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 All right. What do we got next? We got special teams really? down. DB's coach. Uh, whatever. When do you want to go? Revis. It's too I like Cromarty. Cromarty. I have Cromarty there too. He likes to coach like high school people. Right. And he looks at film even like. Of you know top first round picks, I look, he was looking at film over the summer, and he was talking about his technique, and they were tweeting back and forth. Bring him in, I love it. And he tweets at us all the time, which is nice. Yeah, I like that. Friend of the program. QB coach jo- is, is Josh McCown. I have McCown. Be. I also think it'd be Sanchez. cool to have Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington. Chad, Sanchez sure. is good for a guy like Darnold who came in. Not even that they went to the same alma mater, but he comes in, top ten pick, high expectations. Here's what I did wrong. Here's what I did right. Here's how you want to conduct and, and handle yourself. You almost wonder if a guy like that would have been more helpful than Dowell Loggins for Sam Darnold. I don't know. Who the fuck how knows? How could Dowell Loggins have been <laughs> I'm kidding. It was, less helpful? It was rhetorical, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't do anything. Stupid all right. Pat Oswald. Um, that's all the real coach, coaching positions that I have. Yeah, I was thinking like linebackers coach, you bring David Harris back in, O-line, you get Mangled. Like, a, Mangled would like to do it, Just yeah. some team-friendly guys who don't read the Jets and talk shit about them. Hard-working dudes that come back and build a staff around. Um, yeah, I have a few weird ones. You know, we're looking at head of photography. You, get, you bring in Brett Favre. <laughs> head of photography. You bring back Brett Favre. Yeah. Um, Head of parking lot security, get yep. Kellen Winslow Jr. Easily. I, that was, that was That's a better one. I, was trying, I, I had director of transportation, Kellen Winslow, okay. but that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can do you know team therapist, bring Jamal Adams back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had Jamal Adams as my social media intern. He, that's a classic social yeah. media intern. <laughs> we can touch on that real quick because I was going to do it and I forgot. I was too hungover, but... Um, you see the clip of them winning the division and he's on the sideline. He's like, where's my hat? And he's yelling. And he's like, they said we couldn't do it. I read it this morning with my orange juice and toast. And he kept saying orange juice and toast. It was like the most bananas clip ever. And I was going to take a cigar and have breakfast with an orange juice and toast. Didn't do it. Uh. That's the problem when you 
look, if you want to talk, you got to back it up. You can't let Cooper Cup moss you. Um, you can't miss tackles in the open field. So it's tough. The type of thing that we always talk about, if Jamal Adams left on good terms, we'd probably be rooting for him, minus the fact that we got a great draft pick out of it. It's just unbelievable that they lost that game in that fashion. Just yeah, And then Rob Carpenter was tweeting, like, uh, I don't know why Jets fans, Jets fans are like, Jets Twitter hates this guy. I'm like, I wonder why. It's very simple. Man, it's, come it's on. The guy was a fucking dick for thing. like six months. Yeah. And I'm telling you, we always talk about the Jets fans loved him. They they were on his side during the trade the trade rumors during the deadline, yeah. which after that he played fantastic, and we were yeah. fine with him and we were ready to, to extend him. He just lied to the media a bunch. He talked about how he was depressed. Then he was, how can you be depressed and in the same sentence go drive and t- yell at your car window that you want to go and get traded to the Cowboys? Like nothing added up. And then you get you go to a team, good for you. But imagine if he said, look. I was told I was going to get a contract. Regardless if Douglas said that to the media or not, they told me that. I expected that. They didn't do it. I don't think Adam Gates is a good leader, and I'm doing my best to stay on this team and be a leader of men. If they want to trade me, they can, but if I'm a Jet, I'm going to play as hard as I can for this team. Instead of liking all these tweets, instead of going crazy, and then Douglas would have been like, hey, instead of being disgruntled, Seattle, you want to take him off our hands? It would have been a perfect trade. It would have ended on great terms, and nope, instead he has to be an asshole. He's such a cock. There are <laughs> pregnant women who are more pleasant than him for six months than fucking him just bitching every single day. What every else? single day we'd have to wake up and just look at that. Oh, uh, I have some other good ones, though. I, I Only have, a I, handf- yeah, handful of people block me on Twitter. It's Manish Mehta. Yeah, Jamal blocked me also. Jamal Adams. Shit. Uh, but I have a uh, head of HR is Isaiah Crowell. Oh, wiping the ball in his ass. <laughs> so stupid. That oh. game sucked. Baker's first game. Stupid Browns. Yeah, that game is weird when you look back on it. The field was dirt. The, I don't know what happened in Cleveland the night before, but it's a horrible game. Uh, we were looking ahead to this game. We didn't even think about Miami at home. We ended up losing with Darnold throwing for 300 yards. Weird game. That what what was the what was the week after? The Browns oh, game. I think it was a good team, and I think we got. We we lost, and we went to one and three. Let's see. It wasn't the Jaguars. That was later. Oh. It was the. No, it was the Jaguars. We lost thirty-one to twelve. That was the game where Doug Marone like went for two for no reason. At right, the end. and Jordan Leggett scored the lone touchdown. Yeah. Interesting. Um, then we beat the Broncos and Colts. Is anybody else, Mike? I, I'm kind of exhausted. My list. Head I have one more. I have I have Team Priest as Tim Tebow. Yeah, case, yeah, I was thinking of Team Priest. In case anyone, like, dies or needs a blessing or uh, gives birth. I was trying to think of a, an injured Jet who's always hurt being the team doctor. Yeah, team like team. Devin Smith. Right, right, right. Oh, no, I had trainer was Kalecho Assembly. Oh, he's, yeah. <laughs> he hates the Jets training staff. Yeah, uh, so that's, I mean, that's the coaching staff we can, we can, <laughs> we can build. Um Trying to give any other current t- topics that we can address, but yeah, they would have went ten and six that team. No, I mean the the but the the main thing now is just figuring out the coaching staff, and then once you have a coach in place, figuring out what to do with personnel. Obviously, Sam Darnold comes to mind, but like we were talking this morning, and I tweeted about it. If you have the with the twenty third pick, you could do so many things because you don't necessarily have to even trade back the, the second overall pick. You could trade back from twenty three. You put out some scenarios in years past where you get like 25 and an extra 
third round pick or he's creating yeah. draft capital. Yeah, it's a very, very cool spot to be in. Uh, when we had the two picks with Milner and Richardson back then, we were looking at that draft and there were so many possibilities. We were so excited for it. I'm just thankful that we have an opportunity now to have a guy in place that we trust. We're not going to have these bullshit GMs that either spend a shit ton of money, which as fans, yes, we love it, but it doesn't lead to sustainable success. And we've been struggling with that. So having Douglas have those picks, if I'm a betting man, I don't think we pick in the top. Our first three picks aren't going to be selected where they are. At least one of them will be traded back. And I'm completely fine with that. Because Douglas, if you can give him more picks, he made an interesting trade with the Patriots in the previous draft. Uh, it's, it's very possible for him to trade back there. Yeah, he really values that draft capital. I mean, look, and then with there's just so many holes in the Jets roster. It's like we were talking about drafting Najee Harris at 33, uh, 23. And you can make the argument if you get the right coach, like if you bring in Arthur Smith and you want to play that ground and pound, fool everyone, play action, smooth offense that the Titans run. Sure, but it's got to be the right fit. And then, because if not, you have... I mean, the Jets probably have, I think, we probably agree, like, 11 to 12 holes on the roster. And by holes, we mean just starting guys that we need. So, I mean, the one thing the Jets that is good about... Well, I mean, good is a strong... But the, the positive about the last couple of years where the Jets have struggled and played all these weird guys is that a lot of these guys have become quality backups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where... You have guys like Arthur Mollett, bless, bless Austin, and all these guys, and Harvey Lange, and and these weird guys, and Frankie Louvu that are starting now. That it's a little bit ridiculous that they're starting. They're going to be very good backups, and then if they have to come in and start a game, that's totally fine. Pat Alfline is another guy that the Jets should keep around. Um, Mike, it's an incredible take. That's just the right take to have. Bless Austin. When you look at him, I would feel so much more comfortable having him come in the game with our, our number one cornerback, number two cornerback going down, and having him step in, who's had dozen dozen plus games under his belt, and he's sometimes a good tackler, sometimes not. But to your Why point, isn't he a good tackler? I don't understand. It's weird. Just... it's weird. But no, I, I, look, I don't think me and Mike want to take a running back uh, with the first two picks. I don't think we want to do that, but... Unless it's a perfect fit. And it, it's a perfect fit, too, but it's tough... Right, we look at Crowell had a decent year. Ivory's the year that comes to mind in 2015. And then Thomas Jones, obviously, in 2009, 8, 9, 10. Crowell wasn't even that good, honestly. But exactly, and I, that, that's my point. I'm stretching to even say it'd be really nice to have a running back who we, even though I love throwing the football, to even give 20-plus times a game and give us four and a half yards a carry. And I, I think there are three running backs in this draft that can do that. I'm, I have an unpopular take that I have Javante Williams over Travis Etienne just because Williams is more of a dynamic power running back who can not only get yards after the carry, but he's a big dude. Problem with the Clemson running back is I see a lot of things of once he gets contact once, he's down. Yes, he can make everyone miss in the open field, but if you hit him once, he's not going to get those yards after contact. So I have Williams as my number two. Harris is, I think, the clear number one. For me, so Etienne is a lot of mileage already. He has 686 carries in college. It's like almost as if he played like two, three years in the NFL. Yeah, this guy Javante Williams. I'm looking at him, his stats are crazy. And it, he's only 366. The same conference, right? UNC yeah. is known for being 
they're not going to have four or five linemen drafted, right? It's, it's a it's a very very cool story. When he didn't play, their offense was disturbing against Texas A&M. So him not playing that game and opting out really hurt their their offense and their team. Um, I the think only problem with him is the backup running back had maybe even a better year. They were both great. I think they're both going to get drafted. Jeez, Michael Carter averaged eight yards a carry, then, and this guy averaged Javante Williams averaged seven point three. Oh my god! I'm I'm really excited. I think I keep having a recurring thought, and I want to see what you think about this. And it's going to be very very unpopular. Two guys, and it depends on what you do in free agency, but two guys that have been falling in mock drafts for some un, unknown reason. Devontae Smith and Gregory Rousseau. So, Devontae Smith, if there's a chance at the Raiders, I think the Raiders have, Raiders have the 15th or the 17th pick. If he falls to them, I don't see the Raiders taking a wide receiver. Obviously, I think the Jets should highly consider trading up and getting this difference maker, this legit play playmaker. The scary part is, if you do that, now you have a guy like Mims, Crowder, and a potential number one free agent that you you take with big money. What do you do in that scenario? That's you could my cut Crowder. I mean, yeah, you got. I think Devonta Smith could play the slot, which is fine. But it's, sure. it, I, I would like to keep that strength. I think you would agree with that too. Yeah. The other one is Gregory Gregory Rousseau, and I think you can look at his stats: fifteen and a half sacks, I believe. And I'm looking at it right year. now, twenty nineteen. Yeah, he's he like, only played one year. Yeah, fifteen and a half sacks. Six foot seven, massive dude. Has a whole year off to better himself. He was mocked to go top five. He's been down. He's been up. Another one, if he goes to a team that's willing to move out of that spot, I don't want to give up that capital, but imagine if you get that quarterback or tackle at two, you address what you need in free agency, and now you get a a plug-in number one for your team pass rusher. It's a very, very promising idea that I think Joe Douglas might pounce on, even though he does love acquiring draft picks. Or maybe the Jets could just trade back and take one of those guys. That's the other option. Yeah, you could trade or back. Or you could trade back and then trade up with, you know, because it takes much less to trade up to, like, the 15th pick than it does to the second pick. The Jets could get a haul for the second pick and then use a couple of those picks to trade back up in the first round. Because yeah. the late, later first-round picks don't go for, you know, that, you know, maybe you, th- you give a three – Mm-hmm. A three and a four depends where the pick is, and and I think with um with Douglas finding guys like Bryce Hall in the fifth round, you got his punter certified for the next five years uh, on day three. Even guy like Bryce Huff that you get it's another guy, another good depth piece, undrafted, right, depth. right. If, and you if, have to waste money on free agents in these positions. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when the, the Jets signed that piece of shit defensive lineman a couple years ago from the Bears. What the hell is his name? It doesn't even matter. But <laughs> it was it was like he gets like a two year like nine million dollar deal. Like we don't have to pay backup defensive linemen four and a half million dollars now. Now we have we have fully well Foley's the starter. But we have Nathan Shepard and you have Kyle Phillips that oh. can fill in. Like those are you know like important guys on your roster. And you go out and you use that money to get a couple of different starters. Yeah. Yeah, and I've always said Conklin is a guy that I would have loved to pick up last year. He's now an all pro. It's one that you so annoying. Um, but it's some really so annoying that we can get one of those tackles like him or Trent Williams. But Trent Williams might be a free agent, but I don't think he's gonna. Yeah, it's them. frustrating. It's very frustrating because if you did do that, 
and Sam did have that pop of a year. Maybe you don't pick a two anymore, but now at the top five, top 10 pick, you're thinking of taking an edge, a receiver, a corner. There are three legit cornerbacks that are going to go in the top 15 this draft, whether it be Patrick Sertain, J.C. Horn. Um, I think there's one, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. The three are going to go in the top 15, and you assume that Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Joan Waddle, these guys are going to go in the top 20 as well. There doesn't leave a lot of room <laughs> for for tackles, right? I think a tackles position that people are are probably going to wait till the end of round one. But Senior Bowl is January 30th. That's the next big date for the NFL. Besides all the playoff games, January 30th, Senior Bowl. Then on March 9th is when you can sign your current players. So Marcus May in that period, March 9th is priority one, I think, for the Jets to bring May back you hope you can get a team-friendly deal. I would hate for him to go for upwards of $14 million. It would be annoying for that to be the case. You almost got to hope for 11 12 and call it a day. That's a lot of money for a free safety, $14 million a year. I mean, I think it's going to go for 11 or 12 I've seen people, uh, I believe it's Pro Football Talk, had him going for, on average, 14 and a half. I think that's inflated because PFF has them higher and they probably only look at that. But after that, 315, you can start tampering. So March 15th, what are we at now? Almost January 11th, January 12th? Two months. Two months away from doing that. And then once you know what you have in free agency, it's full speed ahead for what you're going to draft. And I think the Jets are going to know at that point, if they don't go after that number one receiver, the Jets will take one in their first three picks. So they're going to have... One of the Rashad Bateman, Joan Waddle, Devonta Smith. They're, they have Hayes. to. They have to because you can't go. You can't do what you did again. There are a lot of. There's a lot of free agent receivers. I would be very surprised if the Jets don't address the position with one of the top ten guys. Because even after the first four of Robinson, Godwin, uh, Juju, and mm-hmm. who's the last guy? Uh, Galladay. After those four guys, there's still like Corey Davis. Um, there's a bunch of like solid, really like Courtney's had a really good year. There's a, there's some really solid wide receiver options. So I mean, Juju had a good game last night, but he's annoying. Yeah, <laughs> Juju is uh, his stock has been continuing to go down on Jets Twitter. But the the next thing we wait is the head coach. I think we will find out the next Jet head coach. I'm guessing by the end of next Friday, we'll definitely have a head coach. So this week, it could happen anytime. I think they're probably going to cut down the list to three or four, interview them in person. I think that's a huge thing that Joe Douglas has talked about. Once they're done with the Zoom, they go in person. I think that could be end of this week. They get those interviews in. The guys that are preparing for playoff games, you can't interview them during the weekdays um, unless you can get them. I think on that Monday, there's a day off. But I would say by January 22nd, you know your head coach, which would be really cool. Then they build their staff. We can then get updates on who the offensive coordinator is, who's a defensive coordinator, who they're keeping. I don't know if Brant Boyer can survive yet another head coaching change. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I like Brant Boyer. I don't bring him back. Brant Boyer is a a dude. When I thought Gage would get fired, um, I I thought Brant Boyer was going to be the one guy that they can step in over Greg Williams. But, man, another good, good day to be a Jets fan. I think we're going to be looking forward to a lot of Good days ahead. The Seahawks losing is just unbelievable for this team. It is unbelievable that they didn't get picked twenty-eight to thirty-two. It's so great. So important. It's. I don't think.
I think people are excited about it, but if we wanted to move up, as we talked about before, from 28 to 23, that could cost you a second or a third round pick too. So it's yeah. so important that we did that. Oh, um, if, if you again, if you said before the year the Seahawks would pick 23rd, especially winning 12 games, like that's because and then and next year the Seahawks are in a bad spot. They're running out of cap. They don't have these picks that they traded for Jamal Adams. Um, Robbie Sabo was tweeting about that, and I agree. What if the Seahawks take a step back next year? Because the last two years, too. So last year they went 11 and 5. Based on their point differential, they should have went like 8 and 8. They mm-hmm. barely scored more points than they allowed. This year they went 12 and 4. Their expected point uh, win loss record was 10 and 6. And now they have a, another year Russell Wilson's older. They're going to have no, not a lot of picks, no money. At some point, this team will take a step back. That's a very tough division. The 49ers are the worst team in the division. They went 7-9, and nine and they were just in the Super Bowl last year. The, the Cardinals are up and coming. The Rams are fantastic. That's a, I mean, there's a good chance the Seahawks go 8-8, eight 9-7, and 7-9, eight, and seven, seven and nine, something like that next year. And then the Jets have a, another sick pick. That's a premium guy. You I, know? Think you, I think you said it best at the beginning of the year. The only way I think the, the Seahawks pick earlier than 23 is if Russell Wilson got hurt. We yeah. were not rooting for that. If it happened, we would say, hey, we're really good for the Jets. Because he didn't get hurt, and they went 12-4, and four, being the 23rd pick is unbelievable. And the Steelers losing again last night, good for the Jets. Good for that Browns team who was in the same spot as the Jets were in 2018. Browns. And then they decided the... I don't feel happy for anybody. i bitter towards everyone. Oh, no, I'm saying that they were in the same... The Browns were in the same spot as we are in 2018, and they properly developed their quarterback and built around him. Um, and they didn't jump ship off him. They didn't give him uh, Braxton Berrios, Josh Malone, Lawrence Cager. They right. did what they were supposed to do. They got a guy like Jack Conklin. You know, they, they drafted that tackle. They got an all-pro running back. They have two, three legit receivers around him, two solid tight ends around him, a defense that is young. They got Hooper. Is such an underrated move, too. It's unbelievable. Um, Multiple-time pro bowler. I, I, I want to go one day and just compare the moves that they made and the discounts. Uh, we weren't the biggest – it's not fair to do devil, devil's advocate, but we were not the biggest fans of Robbie Anderson, and we would rather him at 9 or $10 million than Rashad Perryman at 5 Right. Why do you ruin that chemistry you have with your young quarterback? So it it's frustrating to watch the Bills and Browns, two teams that were in similar spots to us, and not only are they in the playoffs and they're competing – we went two and fourteen. It's astronomically different. So it's. Frustrating. I can't believe how horrible this year was. We went literally two and fourteen. Sam completely regressed, and Josh Allen is an MVP candidate. What and who do you credit? Do you credit? You, you. I mean, you have to give credit to Josh Allen, obviously. I I give him so much credit. Also, who I don't want to be the QB coach for this Jets team, even though it doesn't matter, is Jordan Palmer. If he were to play in the Jets, I do not want Jordan Palmer to come in. Jordan Palmer, all he does is hang out with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, and for some reason, Josh Allen became better. Uh, but is it is it the general manager getting guys like Stefan Diggs in there? Is it the the coaching staff and Brian Dable putting together a good scheme for him? And it's just frustrating to see where we went wrong. I think it's a combination of Josh Allen has outperformed Sam Darnold on a personal level as a player. He's playing better than him. Take that away. Well, one is the worst head coach ever. One has the most up-and-coming play caller who is being coveted by all these teams. Huge deal. One has a legit number one receiver pro bowler. The other one, they can't stay healthy, and when they are healthy, Rashad Perryman makes no effort of the ball. 
keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. You find yourself saying, if Sam was in that spot, is it the same thing? So it's frustrating. It's very, it's very, it's nauseating. That's what it is. I it can't makes, sleep at night, Mike. I can't even. So I can't. Dumb. I mean, ugh, it's our guy. And they just, I just can't stop thinking about like the Chiefs game. We would have the ball on the 24-yard line and just throw two wide receiver screens and a run up the middle on second and 10. You have to wonder, what if Darnold was unfortunately out for the year, say his shoulder goes, you know, not good, has to get surgery after the Denver game. Do fans, if we end up 2-14 and and Flacco plays through and he doesn't do well, do they say, hey, we're running it back with Sam 3.0, right? 1.0 rookie year, 2.0 Adam Gates, 3.0, and we get a new head coach in here. That second pick, we're trading back. We're getting a haul. We're building around this guy. You have to, the, the problem is the final 12 weeks, we kept saying it's going to get better. He's going to pop off, and he didn't get that game or those string of games that make us feel he showed us what he showed us in 2019 and end of 2018. And it was tough. And I put 80% of it. I, I shouldn't say that. I should say, I, I'll put 80% of it on Adam Gates, 19% on, on Sam Darnold. <laughs> I don't even know the 1% on Joe Douglas for not getting a little more. 1% you know. on Josh Malone. Josh Malone. I mean, the other thing is too. So people are like, dude, Flacco way outperformed Sam. If you look at the games, Flacco, Flacco went, all right, he played four. He started four games. The Jets lost 30 to 10 to the Cardinals. He went 18 for 33 with 195 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Very similar to a lot of the games Sam had this year. Then we lost 24 nothing to the Dolphins. Flacco went 21 for 44, 186 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Then he had the nice game against the Patriots that we lost, 30-27, 18 to 25, 262, three and one. Then we lost to the Chargers. He went 15 for 30, 205, two touchdowns, and a pick. So where is this? Oh, Joe Flacco played so much better than Sam Darnold. Because that is some people's real reason to get rid of Darnold. It's just this piece of shit coach hates throwing the ball down the field. And the, and in the Patriots game, Perryman finally made a couple of nice catches in the end zone is the difference. Like we calculated uh, some of the plays that Sam could have had 250 and three touchdowns. Right. And you made a great point. Also, Joe Flacco, they have to acknowledge he went 0-4. And Darnold beat the Browns and the Rams, who are right. in the playoffs. So I don't put that all those games on Darnold. He didn't play amazing in those games. But Joe Flacco got shut out to the Dolphins. He looked eh for two games and had one decent game on Monday football against the Patriots. So I I hate the take. It's a take that you saw a lot of even beat writers. Like, oh, well, the offense plays better to fit Joe Flacco. Well, as a beat writer, maybe you should say – the offense wasn't built then correctly if it's not going to be built around the number three overall pick in the yes, draft. and it's not like it's the first year we had Sam and you don't know what his what he is. Build a fucking team around your guy. It's <laughs> ridiculous. The Bills, oh, the Bills offense wasn't built for Josh Allen, so they should get Joe Flacco? Like, come on. Uh, well, well, I'll ask you this question. What percent of you believes Sam Darnold will be the quarterback week one of 2021? Not what you want, what you think, gut check, what do you believe percentage-wise? Well, I do want that, so now I think it's like 5% because I've been rooting for it. You <laughs> it's think, never going to happen. No, I think five. the real percentage is like, and it will really have a lot to do with what happens tonight with with fields. I think it's like 35 to 40%. Mm-hmm. I think that's strong. There's um, so many variables. There's so many variables about what these 
the more they do research on these prospects and the, the senior bowl well, fields as a junior and Wilson, but um, what the Jets can get for the second pick, who the coach is, is like obviously the most, even and if, if it's a defensive minded coach, who his offensive coordinator is. Um, I think like 35% Sam is our week one starter. I'll be and if honest. we didn't have the second pick, I think it would be much higher. Right, right. And I'll be honest, I had that number over 70% even a few weeks ago. Once I heard Joe Douglas in his you know, post-year presser and on the Michael K show, that went down and down and down because a guy who said he was untouchable last trade deadline, and he was a franchise quarterback, and even in the middle of the season talked about all the good things he was doing, we have to do a better job, to fast forward and saying, look, all options are on the table. And I know, I know he has to say that, but the way he said it and just the body language and going through it, you could tell he doesn't even know what he wants to do yet. And the fact there's that much uncertainty, you, as a GM, you move on to a new quarterback and you try to restart everything that's happening. Um, so it's, I would say right now, 30, 35% chance. I'm with you. So sick. How did we get here? How has it come to this? I don't know. It's, it's a lot of bad things in a row. A lot of bad things, but good things are coming. Yes, sir. I had one more point. I can't remember it. I'm pissed. <laughs> had a strong point to make. About Darnold? I don't know. Fuck. Uh, Fuck. About, about, come we'll, on. We'll leave it as a to be continued, and I'll, yeah. I'll remember it next time. But, oh, I do have the take. I remember it. I think one thing that we forget as fans is we see the product on the field. But there is an element, I think, which has not been brought up yet. But Douglas is at every practice. The staff and the position coaches talk about each player, everything. You almost have to wonder if Darnold has also struggled in practice and in the game. Because if Darnold's not playing well in the game, you, you a lot of times heard in 2019, he's practicing well, he's firing the ball. You heard a lot less of that this year. I know beat writers can't really be at practices now, and they used to be able to go to training camp, a lot more stuff. I almost wonder if Douglas has seen enough and he does not have the confidence in-game. He's also really struggling in practice against Lamar Jackson and JaVale and Gertie. Is that a, a, a sense that we have to move on? Yeah, I mean, the, the Jets are going to use all the information that they have at their disposal to make the decisions. Uh, yeah, if I look, if Sam's struggling, then I just, I would do anything to see Sam without this piece of shit coach that just, just holding him back and holding everyone back and just ruining everything and trying to win games 18 to 14, 20 to 17. He just wants to run the clock down and kick field goals and be conservative and it's just not how the game is now you know and if you're gonna do that do it like arthur smith run the ball to to set up the play action to to score 30 points a game that's what the titans do titans score 30 points a game and they did what gase does but gase is just a pussy you're a bad dude. No, I don't like him as a guy. You he's can be a bad, bad person. Coach. You can he's be a bad coach and a good guy. I've never yeah. met him before. I know he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Hope I, You know what? I hope he goes to New England or Alabama and they're terrible because even though the, the Patriots missed the playoffs this year, it'd be great if he went to a- Alabama. And 
the Crimson Tide were ranked like 17th in the country. They're like <laughs> seven and three. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. Uh, bad dude. Bad dude. Uh, Mike, anything else we want to leave with? I think we'll continue to do a weekly pod about all the current events. Uh, anything you want to? Well, save the day on the coaching. Uh, I would be happy with, honestly, I think I can convince myself, or even before that, I don't even need to convince myself. I think I'll be happy with really any one of the main coaching candidates. I understand why fans aren't super like excited if the Jets were to go and get Doug Peterson, but I could convince myself to be happy about it. I think I'd rather have one of the other five or six guys, though. I think there's only one that I wouldn't be happy with. And Ooh. it's a weird one. It's Marvin Lewis, and it's not because... Oh, no, fuck that. I don't want no, Marvin Lewis. No, but I'm like, look at the eight people they interviewed. I literally would be okay with any of them. Yes. Except Marvin Lewis. And even Martindale, would you like? Martindale, they haven't even requested yet. Okay. Which is huge speculation because obviously Douglas... I think they had like one crossover year together. So I think a lot of the speculation was, oh, you know, Ozzy's going to tell Douglas he's a great coach, which I don't know why you would do if you're a playoff team. You're not going to go tell another coach to go hire them. Um, but Wink, I'd be intrigued by. He's probably in the middle to lower tier of what I'm really looking for. I think Brian Dable would be awesome. I think Joe Brady. I watched a ton of interviews by Joe Brady and Mike Dup because I wanted to see that CEO and – all that stuff. Can he lead at just, what is he, mid-30s? I didn't know if he could do it. And everything he said is just so professional. He's in his introductory press conference for the Panthers, and every single reporter that asked him, he, he responded with, thank you so much, nice to meet you. Huge smile. Just He seemed like a good dude, but he was very confident when he was speaking. And I, I thought going into it, I don't know if he's like a nerdy, weird guy. He looked kind of nerdy. Like if that was the dude. I don't know if he's that CEO who can lead it, not only an offense, but can he lead a 350-pound grown man defensive lineman? Can he buy into his program? So I, I'm okay with Brady. Um, Arthur Smith, again, we've talked about. We are fans of his. Um, we have some other names out there. That Dable is interesting. Dable, I, I, yeah, Dable, obviously. Uh, Robert Salas. Robert Salas. Staley, all, all these guys are intriguing, and I think we'll find out more and more and more. We'll probably cut the list down as people stay, as people go to other places. So we'll, on the next pod, probably have a shorter list that we can dive through. All right, Mike. As always, it was a pleasure. If you did make it this far, don't forget to subscribe, rate five stars, review, comment, unsubscribe, resubscribe. We don't make any money off of it. We don't even know if it helps, but it's pretty cool that when you type in Jets, we're like the ninth podcast that comes up. So awesome. Um, follow us on Twitter, NYJ Mike, NYJ underscore Matt. We have had consistent bangers recently. Consistent. We're feel, oh, we're feeling good on Twitter. We're feeling confident on Twitter because I think we, in the past week, we've had like 11 posts go over 800 likes, Yeah. which every like matters. I look at all the people that like, and I look at their feed. If I like what they're tweeting, I'll follow them. Um, if, ELM. if you guys ever DM us, I don't think I've ever not responded to a DM unless there's like a weird guy that was just being a maniac. But I usually respond to those too. So always feel free to DM if you have questions. We love to discuss takes that we agree on that people might not agree as well and agree to disagree with you. So an example, right? If you say Arthur Smith is a bad passing coach, I'm going to provide facts of why I don't think that's fair to assume after two years of being an offensive coordinator so dm 
rate, follow us, Mike, anything to leave for the fans. Also, I, my, my little sister made a Twitter, so I made her follow us. And she, she said, she's like, I don't want to see Jet stuff. I was like, you won't see any Jet stuff. And she's like, I know you're lying, but she followed us. Very so simple. extra follower. Follow us and then mute us. You'll never see us again. If you don't <laughs> like our taste and you like listening to the pod, just follow us and mute us and you're fine. Done. All right, Mike, I'll talk to you soon. Take care.